Welcome to the Bethel Church Austin Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this sermon by a special guest speaker. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com. How many people have never heard Danny before? Anybody in here, live, in person, you never heard Danny Silk? There's several hands, but not a ton of people. It's because your influence is that wide, that far. How many people have been blessed by Danny, his message, what he releases on the world? How many people are just ready for an upgrade and an increase from what Danny carries? Why don't you just stand, sorry, one more time, stand with me and just bless this father in the spirit as he comes to share with us tonight. is what church feels like. Oh my gosh. I forgot. It's amazing. There are people in here. Woo! Way to go. This is awesome. Thanks. Yes, the election virus is almost over. Yeah. 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 Wow. Wow, wow, wow. This is so good. So good to so good to worship together. Oh. Oh gosh. I I haven't I haven't actually been anywhere since March. I mean this this is the first place I've been. First place. First place I've been. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I remember how to do this. This is a, yeah, yeah, well, oh, wow, so good, so good. Well, I, I love this house, I, and I'm so, I feel so, um, I feel so timely, really, that this would be the first place that I go. I mean, you know, and I, at, I had some things, I had a vacation in Mexico canceled. Trip to Hawaii, out of here. Trip to Alaska, gone. My first trip to Paris, boom, in the toilet. And what emerges? Bethel Austin. Woo, here we are, baby, here we are. This is it. The Lord saw fit to move all that other stuff out of the way. Just so you could be the first part of my year. Happy New Year. It's like, how do you say it? Rosh Hashanah, Shanananah, It's, it's, yeah. I learned what it was today. It's apples dipped in honey. It was pretty good. Pretty sweet. It was like a New Year thing. So good. Well, um, let's see if this is going to work. Yep. Look at there. Hey, I just want to tell you, I just got, while I was here, this all got done. So my team is amazing, and they're doing stuff left and right. And if you 
are involved with the Life Academy at all, you'll notice that this is all different. Some of you got in on the Lifetime 99 special we ran in March, and some of you got in on the $10 per. Well, now it's $7 a month for everything, or you can buy each one of the thing. But the thing that's new that I'm most excited about is this, and that is that if you get on there and you check out our facilitators, you get to facilitate classes of this stuff now. It's all set up for you to do it, and everybody in the room, they sign up and they do the thing, but you, the facilitator, get it all for free. You're welcome. <laughs> You're welcome. But this is also how to really accelerate getting this into uh, the, the body of Christ. And so that's what I'm most excited about as far as all that goes. So I just wanted to, and this would be the first time anybody's ever heard about any of this. You are on the tip of the spear. Yeah, there it is. Yeah, so that's, that's cool beans right there. Um, where I left off, you know, earlier this year was uh, Unpunishable. It just came out in November of last year. I'm going to talk to you a little bit about it in the next, our next times together, just because it's, uh, it, it's so good. It's just so good. It's just so good. It's, uh, it, this, this is my favorite book that I've written so far. Um, I'm telling you. I mean, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get, we'll get into it a little bit tonight. And, uh, it's because I, I feel like right now we are in such an epic time where the Father is being revealed and Lucifer is trying to keep it from happening. I mean, we are like living in Lord of the Rings right now. It is like the most epic spiritual battle that you could watch. I mean, if we just had some popcorn, it would feel like we were at Lord of the Rings 10. It is off the hook. And it's all about keeping the true revelation of the Father hidden. At the highest levels of leadership in our land. The ruler of this world is being cast down. And it is an epic time to be alive. I was trying to think of like what other time would be like this? The flood? I don't know, something. Except it would be hard to tell anybody that you lived in the flood. When the, remember when the flood came? I was there. No, you, you weren't. <laughs> so maybe, maybe Moses going to Pharaoh and saying, let my people go. Maybe that's what it was like. Maybe, maybe... 400 years of slavery. And then people having to figure it out on the other side of the sea. 
Because 400 years of slavery, whew, that's going to leave a mark, baby. That's going to take a little while to shake off. And I think that's what we're, 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 we're looking at. We're looking at the other side of being able to see clearly, more clearly than ever before. I want to talk about really what is the new covenant? What is, what happened? Well, you know, besides it's new, what happened? Because a lot of people think it's the new old covenant. It's the new and improved old covenant. No, no, it's not. It's not. It's a, it's a, it's a brand new gig. It's a whole new operating system. And it's, it feels a little mysterious to, to a lot of folks, it feels like. I know in this house you get good teaching. I know in this house you get great leadership and great culture. And, and you, get, you, get, you get good stuff here. So I, I, I think that when you, when you bump into other folks, though, whew, it's, uh, it's different. It's different. It's 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 uh, it's challenging. I mean, I I, I know that uh, I, you know. Just I, I've been to a few places in the South before, and it uh, it's different. <laughs> you know, I mean, it is. It's it's hard to it's hard to present. A loving father that doesn't somehow resemble an earthly father. And you, you, never, you never met anybody like our heavenly father. You didn't have, I don't care how good your daddy was, he wasn't that good. Right? He wasn't that good. And, and, and so sometimes we justify our experiences on the earth by remaining in the same mode of everybody we've ever met. And then we just behave it forward. But it's coming from a paradigm. It's coming from a way that you see. It's coming from what you understand to be true. That's what makes your behavior not violate your conscience. That's how you don't end up in cognitive dissonance, right? You live in cognitive dissonance when you behave inconsistent with what you believe to be true. So when you're trying to live forgiveness, but you got this punishment thing in you, you're like, yeah, I forgive you. I just don't ever want to see you again. In Jesus' name. That is, that is so hard to do. I forgive you when I feel it. Well, I'll trust you when I feel it. Well, I love you when I feel it. See, that is because you're trying to behave inconsistent with 
the way you think, the way you see, the way you understand. So that's why Romans 12, 2 says, don't be conformed to the patterns of this world. Don't be stuck in that thinking, but be transformed through the renewing of your mind. It becomes so vitally important that we actually understand something different. If we're, if we're going to practice the new covenant, we have to be transformed in our minds. Or you can't tell a group of Christians on social media of, apart from a group of political people on social media. Why? Because you are demonstrating your mind. It's coming out your fingers. And when we talk about the new covenant, when, when I use a word like unpunishable, I'll, I'll try to explain that. The subtitle there is ending our affair, our love affair with punishment. And here is the crux of what I want to talk to you about, is what do we do with our love affair? With punishment. Because we just love it. It is a sense of power and justice that goes with it. Somebody, somebody needs to pay up for their wrongdoings. Like, well, I hope that's not true. Because Jesus died for no reason at all, if that's true. If there's some sin left that he didn't pay for, that you, you need to pay for or I need to charge you for, What is that? How did we end up hauling that around? I thought we had a new covenant. So let's talk about that. Let's, let's go back to once upon a time. There was a garden. And there were a couple people there. Adam and Eve, right? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve are trapped in the goodness of God. They are absolute, just encased, saturated. They can't get away from the goodness of God. That's all they got. Is walking around, dripping in goodness. Day after day after day after day. Okay? You see it? You feel it? Adam and Eve only know the goodness of God. That's it. That's all they have. And they have one rule. One. One rule. Can you imagine having one rule? We got one rule. Here it is. Ready? Don't do that. That's it. There's your rule. 
Feeling the oppression? <laughs> you got one rule. One. Why? So that you have a ruler. You got a rule so you can have a ruler. Feeling no oppression? Trapped in the goodness of God, you got a rule. And the devil, the serpent, says, oh, look at you. I heard you had a rule. Wow. I heard all you know about is good. I heard that's all you know about is just the good. Wow. You know, God's afraid. So you know, everything that is said right after that is a lie. Because that's a lie. See, God's afraid that if you break his rule, you'll be like him. As if they weren't already like him. Right? They already were like him. But God's afraid if you break his rule, you'll be the rule maker. And here's the deal. See, there's a thing inside the heart of mankind, and the devil knows it. And that is, we want to make the rules. I want to be the rule maker. You got one rule. Dripping in the goodness of God. And the temptation is be the ruler. Come. Now, here's what you got to understand. You got to understand what happened. Adam is now afraid of what? Of what? He's been dripping in the goodness of God, and now he's afraid of what? And he's naked. I mean, I don't know about you, but I enjoy being naked. I do. I enjoy it. But, but I have never one time been so naked I didn't know it. Like, like never have I been driving to work and went, oh, whoops. Never. Never one time did I not know that I was naked. But Adam's 
Adam is so lax self-consciousness that he didn't even know he was naked. And now he's afraid, which he has no reason to ever be afraid, and he's naked. And the Lord says, who told you? Who told you that you were naked? Who told you you were vulnerable? Who told you you could be destroyed? Who told you that you could be ashamed? Who told you that? Because here's what happened. What happened is when God says, here's a rule, I'll be the ruler. Okay? Got it? And I was like, okay. You're the ruler. Okay. Okay, got it. We, we're in your kingdom. And you're the king. Okay. Okay, so in your kingdom, this is what goes on. This is how it is. Drenched in goodness, running around naked. <laughs> Got it. And in this moment, in this spot, in this place, home. Adultery. Idolatry. And now Adam has changed rulers. He has a new ruler now. And it's not him. It's the enemy of the father. The enemy of the father is the new ruler. And Adam didn't become more like God he became more like the serpent. And now, when Adam looks at the father, he looks through the eyes of the serpent at the father. And he is afraid because his ruler is afraid and he is ashamed and naked and exposed and vulnerable because his new ruler is all of those things. Now here is what the here's where the problem starts. This is the fall. The fall is that Adam mankind can no longer See the Father as He is. They can only see the Father through the perverted lens of the serpent. And now we begin our journey of being the ruler and being unable to see our Father. And so from Adam, throughout time, which is a very long time, 
until Jesus, you cannot see the Father. You can only see the perverted version of the Father. Now that has a bazillion connotations to it that I'm not going to go into. But I just want to leave you with that. Zillion connotations. <laughs> no one, Adam through Jesus, can see the Father as he is. That's a lot of Bible. That's a few covenants. There's, there's several covenants in there that man makes with a God that he can't really see. And so God picks up a reputation that the serpent gave mankind. God is a punisher. God the Father is a punishing Father. He's a just punishing Father. He's a holy punishing Father. If you even do one thing wrong, you don't even have to do something wrong. He wants to punish you. He just, he, if it wasn't for the Day of Atonement, if it wasn't for that sacrifice right there, he'd be punishing you. You're so lucky. This perception carries on all the way to the New Covenant Church. People, people now, they, if they see Jesus come, Jesus was the sacrificial His blood covered me. And when the Father looks at us, he sees Jesus. Lucky for us. Lucky for us, there's a big car cut, big cut out of Jesus. Get in here. Get behind here. Get behind, get, more people are getting saved. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. You saw my son. As a result, (laughs) 
we, we see ourselves through the lens of basic, basically being prisoners who've been let free from prison. But prisoners who get out of prison are released prisoners. That's, that's an identity. And so when we carry an identity that is part of the perverted lens, looking at the Father, then it is easy to be a slave. It is easy to be an orphan. I'm lucky to not be destroyed. I'm, 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 just, I'm just, I hope to hang on to this. I got so much, so much residue built up in my life. I hope I don't die in a car accident while that's going on. I might knock on the gate and they don't have my name. Because I lost it because I wasn't good enough. I know we preach against this. We We could tell somebody else that, but inside of us, Inside of us, this orphan, this this servant of a master tells me, your mistakes disqualify you. Your mistakes make you undesirable. You actually deserve to be punished and you haven't been. I wonder how creative he will be with you. I wonder where he sneaks it in on you to really, really drive it home. You thought you were getting away with it? Ha! God will not be mocked. A man will reap what he sows. Who you think you are? You think you pulled one over on the most holy? I know we would like, we would leave a church if they were preaching that, but our head is doing it. You cannot experience life different than your belief system. You could try to hide what you believe. But you cannot fool yourself. The core belief is that I am I'm disconnected and I deserve to be punished. And I'm motivated by the fear of being punished. I'm motivated by the shame of being a, a disconnected, undeserving orphan. And I see you, and I see what you did, and I know what I think about me, and I know how I think it works, and I see what you did, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, there it is right there. Get it, get it, get it. See what they said on Facebook? Get them, get them. (laughs) See what they think 
Look, they didn't use a comma. Look at it. Somebody needs to do something about this stuff. And so we either try to be perfect and obey all the rules, and who could be mad at a perfect person? Nearly. I'll go back and put that comma in. Or, you know what? I don't care about the rules. I'll make the rules. Tell me what the rules are. Who put you in charge? I'm in charge. I got no leader. How's that? I am the rule maker. Welcome to my delusion. <laughs> or I'm the punisher. I'll be the punisher here. I'll be the runner. I'll get everybody focused on everybody else's stuff. We won't be taking a look at mine. But the motivation is avoid punishment. The fear of being punished. And so we live in a perpetual cycle of being afraid that I am an orphan. Afraid that I am just a servant. Afraid that God is just a boss. I got to save my own life. I got to save my own life. I got to be in charge. I got to I got to be a manipulative survivor. I got to arrange things so that I can protect myself. I got to protect myself from God. I gotta protect myself from you. I gotta protect myself from me. And so we become addicted to being the rule makers. And so humility, accountability, vulnerability, transparency seems foolish. Walking in the light is for suckers. If you walk in the light, people can see you. If people can see you, they know you're not perfect. Here comes the punishment train. And I'm just talking to the pastors. And leaders create culture. And so when the leaders are terrified of the light, how great is the darkness? Jesus does something, another thing, that nobody can actually understand what he's doing. He's just over and over and over. Like, what is he doing now? What is going on? What did he say? He said that earlier. I didn't understand at that time either. The woman caught in the very act of adultery, right? 
A woman caught in the act of adultery. Think that through for just a minute, because typically when someone gets caught in the act of adultery, there are two people. Somehow this woman was pulling it off by herself. They caught her. They bring her to Jesus. She could have been naked for all we know, but all the pictures I've ever seen, she had clothes on. <laughs> Throw her at Jesus' feet. There he, there he is, and they're like, okay. All right, big boy. You know what the rules say. You know what the rule book says? <laughs> Adultery, punishable by death. Let me back up. Okay, everybody. Watch this. Watch your beloved Jesus murder this woman. Jesus bends down, gets closer to her, writes something in the sand. We don't know what. But we've all heard sermons about what, right? And he looks over at the guys and he says, all right, you know what? You're absolutely right. Sinless one, Kenobi, lead us off. Come on. Come on. Show us what you got. And starting with the oldest one, who had the biggest pile of broken rules in his life, peels off. And then there they go, one by one by one. Then they're all gone. And this woman who's laying here waiting to be killed with rocks, no doubt sobbing in trauma, Jesus says, where are those who would punish you to death? And she looks out through her tear-soaked hair and she says, they're gone. But sinless one Kenobi standing right there. The one who qualifies to punish her to death is standing right there. And he says, neither am I your punisher. And then she gets up, and here comes the scathing rebuke of the Lord. Don't do that again. And off she goes. Off she goes. Now, all the prophetic intercessors that were watching that day are like, oh, great. Oh, great. Jesus just released a spirit of adultery all over our city. (laughs) 
It's another story that uh, often gets called the prodigal son. Luke 15. It isn't about a knucklehead kid. That's not the story. Anybody could be that stupid. (laughs) This is a story about a father. This is a story about a superstar father. Imagine your boy walking up to you and going, gosh, I wish you were dead so I could have your money. (laughs) And the father goes and gets the money. Totally. Brings it to him and says, here you go. All that I have worked to achieve for your benefit, for your family's benefit, for my family's benefit through you, I give to the dishonoring, disrespectful, squandering man who's acting like an orphan. And exactly what that father thought was going to happen, happened. Except that father kept his love on. Shamelessly name dropping in a book title. (laughs) This father keeps his love on and longs for his son's return. So much so, he sees him from afar coming over the horizon runs out to him. I don't know if you've ever seen an old guy run, but it isn't pretty. (laughs) Runs out to his son, grabs his son, throws his face on his sweaty, pig-covered, stinky neck and welcomes him home. I want you to catch a couple things in these two stories. A, neither one of them asked for forgiveness. Neither one of them had the blood of Jesus to apply to their sin. This is the confusing part for us because we're like, when do we get to hurt somebody? (laughs) I mean, we got some obvious failings going on here. Whoosh! When do we get to punish someone? How is anybody going to learn anything around here if we don't get to inflict a little external pain? It's a mystery. We're like, when do we get to whip out the punishment? How will we ever set things right if we don't cast out love with fear?
See, here's, here's what we fail to catch, is that Jesus didn't come to show everybody the Bible. I mean, you realize there wasn't one then, right? Jesus didn't come to show people the church. Here's a a speed bump for you, but I'm going to throw it out there anyway. Ready? Jesus didn't come to show people salvation. I mean, Jesus didn't lead anybody to Jesus. He came to show the world the Father. He shows the world the Father, the woman caught in the act of adultery. The very act seems like a clear-cut case of death by stoning. And Jesus shows them the Father. This is who he really is, not the twisted, perverted version you have. Remember when Jesus walks up to the Pharisees and said, if you knew my father, you'd know me. Well, we are of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, father of Abraham, many sons, that's us. (laughs) We are of our father Abraham. And he says, no, 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 you're not, actually. You, religious experts of the day, are of your father, the devil who has been a liar from the beginning. And unless a man or woman becomes born again, you can't enter the kingdom. You can't see the Father. You are trapped in the, in the deception of the serpent over mankind. Unless you come through this narrow path, unless you walk through this door, unless you are born again and become like a little child who sees their daddy, For the first time, oh my gosh, there you are. That's repentance. Repentance isn't, I'm sorry. That's not repentance. I don't care how many blouses you went through. I don't care how many boxes of Kleenex you cleared. I don't care how many promises you made. That is not repentance. I don't care if you told us where the bodies are buried. That is not repentance. That is confession and apology. Nobody really cares if you confess or you're sorry. Care if you change. That's really all that we're after. 
that that never happens again. I'm so sorry. I am so sorry. I'll never do that again. If you don't repent, you sure will. You sure will do it again. We repent and we change the paradigm. We now have a different operating system in what we live in. Our belief system changes. And therefore, our reality that we participate is in different. It's a different world. I'm no longer conformed to the patterns of this world. Because of repentance, everything changed. Jeremiah 31 tells us that God is, the new covenant is a brand new paradigm. No longer is an outside-in paradigm. It's now an inside-out paradigm. There's nobody going to make you do it. Nobody can make you do it. Nobody's going to try. It's nobody else's job to do it. I cannot make you love me. It's actually not my job for you to love me. It's your job to love me. Well, if she loved me better, I'd, I'd love her better. No, you wouldn't. You already have a bad paradigm. You think someone makes you love them. Nope. God doesn't make you love him. This is, this is the telling part. This is, this is what gives it away. Your half is all you. His half, he did his half. He did his half perfectly. What, what are you going to do over there? Well, I don't know if people like, I don't know, glory cloud, something, I would do it. I don't know. Something, I don't know. Need something. You know, give, me, give, me a, give me something to work with over here. Winning lottery ticket. I don't care, whatever it is. I don't care. No. It's a paradigm shift. It is, it, it's what moves me out of orphan slave. Orphan slave is looking for someone else to control him through the fear of punishment. You do what you do or you're going to be punished. It's always amazing to me, you're on the freeway, you're driving along, and then here comes a state trooper, and everybody, everybody speeds up, right? Everybody has to, oh my gosh, better get up, get up to the speed limit. No, no, the whole traffic jam starts. Oh, there's a cop. <laughs> slow down, everybody slow down. Oh, man, this is going to take forever. I wasn't planning on a cop. <laughs> Why? Because of the threat of punishment. 
I manage my behavior through the fear of being punished. About 90% of the people today who are wearing masks everywhere we go are not afraid of the virus. They're afraid of the government. They're afraid of being punished by someone. Some people have conditions and need to protect themselves. I understand that. But most people are required or will be punished. And here comes the mask. These people feel like orphans and slaves. They feel powerless. But in the transformation of your identity, when you actually see yourself differently, when you realize that, oh my gosh, my relationship with God does not function through the threat of punishment. He's not my punisher. I don't have a a punisher in heaven. Oh no, what am I going to do? Because everything I do is based on a fear of punishment. And I'm not going to be punished. I don't like this message. You're taking all my integrity away. No, no, no. See, sometimes people think that having a bunch of rules that are followed up with the threat of punishment and then obeying those rules means you have character. Lots of rules. I obey the rules. I have tons of character. I have so much character because of all the rules that I avoid punishment through. Now think about it. I mean, if that's true, then the places with the most rules have the people with the most character, like prisons. (laughs) Outside of prisons, the only other group I can think of that have as many rules are religious environments. Why? Because both are afraid of freedom. Both are afraid of what people would do if they were free and trusted to manage themselves. But that's love. That's how you demonstrate love. You know, I I travel the world. I go all these different places. Something I notice, pretty much every country and city I go to, there are women there. They're everywhere. There are women everywhere. I don't don't convey my love and commitment and covenant to Sherry because we're trapped on a deserted island, just her and me. You love me? Yeah. Well, you can't prove it. It's just us. For some reason, I can imagine that conversation. I don't know why, but I can just just imagine that happening. (laughs) Rules are not a test of your character. Freedom is a test of your character. Freedom will put you on display. You are a dearly loved child of God, a dearly loved son, a dearly loved daughter. 
There's, there's nothing to prove. There's, there's nothing you can do to get him to love you one drop more. And there's nothing you can do to get him to love you one drop less. You are completely accepted, loved, approved, cherished. You got one rule again. You got one rule. Love. That's it. You got one rule again. We're back to that again. Love. When he's your ruler, when he's your father, and once again you are just trapped in his goodness, and you're just saturated and dripping in his goodness, and you just can't escape his goodness, you got one rule. Unless you want to be the ruler again. Unless you want to be distorted in who he is again. Because it's an option. See, when you get disconnected, any relationship gets disconnected. Fear comes in. And fear wants to distort what you see. Fear is the great delusioner. Fear is the great pervert. Love casts out fear. But being disconnected makes a place for fear to come and be your counselor again. Spirit of fear would love to be your counselor. And to pervert what you see. To pervert how you see yourself, how you see other people, how you see your father. And this is the epic battle that we're in. The epic battle that we are in right now is the battle of good and evil. Love and fear. I don't know if I've ever been on this planet when there were so many people this scared. I actually know the answer to that question. I have not been on this planet and seen a time where there were so many people this deluded through fear. And that's what I'm saying, that this is the great scheme. The great scheme is to not allow you to see your father. Because fear has taken over as your counselor. And so we find ourselves in broken relationship with our father Fear can come in. We have our we are broken relationship with our loved ones, and fear will come in. We find ourselves in broken relationship with ourselves, and fear will come in and distort and drag you back to 
an old covenant paradigm. Whether you're a believer or not, that's what ruled that paradigm. And what rules this paradigm is love. And the only thing that works in this paradigm is love. My son, my son, my son, my youngest son, Taylor. Taylor Silk. He's always been my most social child. He was always wanting to spend the night at somebody's house. He was always wanting to go over there for that and this and that party and this party. And can we, can I, can I go with them on vacation? And can I, can I, can I, can I? And, 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 and then he got his driver's license. I'm like, oh my gosh, I thought we had three children. So he has a curfew. He's got to be home at a certain time. And uh, one night, we were in bed. Uh, I was really sick, so I was up. And uh, I noticed that it was past his curfew. So I, I texted him. I said, oh, you must be on your way home because it's, it's after your curfew. Nothing. And I fell asleep on the bathroom floor. I woke up, middle of the morning, I could see through his bedroom door, his door was open and he was not in there. I texted him again, I said, oh, you're on your way home, or am I calling the police? Crickets. I fell asleep again. Sherry comes in and says, are you all right? I said, yeah, yeah, no, I'm not all right, but... Is Taylor in his room? She says, no. I said, he didn't come home last night. So every one of your children have a divine assignment from the Lord to bring something into your life that challenges your identity as a good parent. And this was Taylor's gift to us. We had, up to this point, number three, we had not had a child not come home. So Sherry is like, what? Whoop, whoop. She's, you know, calling Saturday morning. It's early. She's calling all his friends' house, waking up their parents. She gets in the car. She drives around. She can't find him. She comes home. I can't find him. I don't know where he is. Should we call the police? I don't know. And he walks through the door. It's 8 in the morning. Hi. I fell asleep at uh, Jake's, Jake, his cousin. I fell asleep at Jake's house on the couch. and uh, There's no electricity in that part of town, so I could, <laughs> my phone died. It's just like a total, total, blast. Oh, okay, all right, great. Uh, keys, phone. Whoa. <laughs> Nothing like having your kid by the phone. <laughs> so off he goes to bed. Mister, I slept all night, slept until 1.30 in the afternoon. 
And comes out, you know, 1.30 or so in his underwear. On his way to his bathroom, looks over at us like prisoner of war. Goes to the bathroom, comes back out. And I'm thinking to myself, that is not the kid I want to talk to. That kid doesn't have a problem. That conversation is not going to go great. So I waited. The phone rings. Now, this back when we had a phone on the wall. Remember, we had a phone on the wall, and it was connected. You had to put it back, you know. So. And uh, the phone rings. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that still worked. And it's one of his friends because they can't contact him. They're like, are you, are you okay? So, Taylor there? Oh, yeah, yeah. Taylor, phone. You have to come out here. So, here he comes. Yeah. What? Oh, I forgot. Oh, that's today. Oh, jeez. Oh, gosh. Oh, yeah, okay, okay, all right. So off he goes. Gets cleaned up, comes out, he's all dressed. He's like, hey, mom and dad, how's it going? I was just wondering if I could talk to you. And I'm thinking, this is the kid I want to talk to. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I got something that you want. <laughs> let's, let's do this. There's a, a, a video game tournament that's going on that night, and he forgot about it. And so his buddy, his, his video game partner, they have T-shirts and everything. It's a deal, you know. So he's like, hey, hey, Dad. Oh, I just wanted to, uh, I just wanted to say sorry. I said, oh. For what? Oh, for not coming home. I thought, oh, why is that a problem? Because you said to be home. I said, yeah, well, why does it matter if you come home or not? Because I thought it was important to you. I said, well, it's really important to me, but why does it matter if you do it? <laughs> maybe because it scared you and mom, maybe. Maybe you didn't know where I was. Didn't know if I was alive or dead or like that. Is that what you mean? I'm like, well, I don't know. Well, why would that matter? <laughs> why would it matter if we were worried or we were Stressed out of our mind. Why, why does that matter? I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Why are you asking me all these questions? I feel like one of those people in your office that you do that thing to. That's a tea. Um... I just want to know what's going on inside of you because I really don't know. Why does it matter that you didn't come home last night? 
Dad, I don't know what you're trying to get me to say. I don't understand what you're trying to get me to do. I said, well, would you like some help? Yes. I said, well, how about if I tell you how I'm experiencing you? Okay. Taylor, I, I don't know if I've ever felt this disrespected by you in our relationship. I don't know that I've ever felt this invalidated or for you to be as careless with our relationship as you were last night. I don't know how it happened, but it seems like that when you sort through your top 20 concerns and relationship, somehow mom and I are way down here. I don't know how that happened, but I feel very unimportant to you. That's how you feel? Yeah. That's the message that I received from you by the way you treated us by not coming home. That is not true at all. You and mom are the most important people in my life. I can't believe you feel like that. That will never happen again. Is that okay? Well, that's all I really needed. I just need to know that that's true. It is true. I'm sorry. I don't want you to ever feel like that. Thank you, Tay. I love you. I love you too, Dad. Did you, uh, did you want these? Yes. <laughs> and it never happened again. Other things happened, but that did not happen. And here's the problem. Here's, here, here's what happens. People say, yeah, well, when do we get to hurt somebody? You know, when, when, how, how? So it didn't, well, I mean, you did, that couldn't have been the end of the story. It couldn't have been right there. Couldn't have just stopped it right there. I mean, you got to, you got to show them, you know. We got to demonstrate our power and awesomeness. No, it's, it's really about the love. It's really about the connection. He's my son. He's not my prisoner. I'm his father. I'm not his warden. I need him to manage his freedom. I don't need him to surrender to my control. See, the thing that I want to keep coming back to, and we'll talk about this more tomorrow, is that the new covenant does not work without repentance. It does not work without repentance. And so our life is really about changing our paradigm to get back to, I'm a dearly loved son. I'm a dearly loved child of God. And is my relationship connected to my loving father? That's really step one. And what motivates me is the drive to be connected and stay connected. That's what motivates me. 
Because there is no punishment. Yeah, but I had a flat tire on the way to work today. It's totally because I didn't tithe. (laughs) Nope, you got a flat tire because the air left. That's hard. That's, hey, freedom. You almost had it, girl. You almost had it. Those are some dad hands right there. Got it. Cheetah. A punishment paradigm, an orphan mentality identity, a servant-slave identity will lead us to search for a punisher. And will justify us punishing others. The children are here. Let's stand up. (laughs) Here come the children. Oh, Lord. Just put your hand on your heart. I'm just going to pray a prayer. I don't know what else we're going to do, but... um, Holy Spirit, please come. (laughs) Help us see. Help us see even what's in our own hearts. Help us us to see, Lord. Do we actually stand in a disconnected relationship with our Father? Are we afraid? Are we motivated by the fear of being punished? Are we enticed by the idea that other people need to be punished? Do we need to be the rule makers? Are we protecting ourselves by making the rules? Are we trying to perform and check all the boxes and get it all right so we won't be in trouble? Lord, do we spend more time being afraid than we do rejoicing? Help us see, Lord. Help us to see. I just, want you to, I just want you to ask the Father to come. Just ask the Father to come. Say, Father, please come. Please come, Daddy. Just pay attention to how even that suggestion just affects you. Holy Spirit, do a deep work in us over these next couple days.
Lord, that we, we get a promotion in how, we've live, how we live our life moving forward. That we actually see ourselves as dearly loved children of God. And we are immune to the accusation of punishment. And we are immune to the enticement of punishing others. Lord, we want to live our lives in so much love with you, with each other, and for ourselves that we want to make you famous on the earth and be glorified by your children. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, please visit BethelATX.com.